Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Today's episode is a really fun, unique one. I actually interviewed a client. Her name is Melissa Arguello. Obviously with her permission, she was happy to come on the podcast and actually talk about her experience going through the intuitive eating journey, going from the dieting mindset to the intuitive eating mindset. And I thought it would be really cool for people to kind of hear how the process goes. She's also a social worker and she works in a food pantry here locally in Woodmere. And I think that she has a lot to bring to the table. So go ahead and check out that episode. I'm also just reminding you guys that I'm recruiting for an upcoming class. It's actually starting this Monday night at 9 p.m. It is an intuitive eating group class and it's also a support group. So this will be the fifth or sixth time giving the class. And it's a really amazing class where women come together and talk about their experiences with dieting and uh, making peace with food. And there's a really big support component to the group. There is a private WhatsApp chat. Again, there are, the insurances that I accept are Aetna, Cigna, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Emblem, United Healthcare, only the Empire Plan. And I just wanna say that for some people who are in network with those insurances, it should cover it should cover some of the cost of the course. The course is three hundred dollars, and I believe that's a good price for four classes with the group support. And you get a lot of individual attention, and you also get support in between the group. And you get access to the course forever. So I will be recording them on Zoom, and you'll get access to the course. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. And if you like this episode, please rate, review it, go back and listen to there's tons of episodes. There's so many things that you can learn about in the intuitive eating process. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have a great day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, and today I have Melissa Arguello. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Gila. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, Okay, so tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Where do you live and what do you do? Okay, so hi, everyone. My name is Melissa Arguello. I am, this is my last semester as a social work student. I attend Toro. Uh, I'm currently, I currently am, I'm a, I am employed, but I'm also doing my internship hours at the JCC in Cedarhurst. Um, and um, I've been in the JCC for two years and uh, I'm just excited with all the different works I've been doing with them. Okay, awesome. So I wanted to bring you on today for a few reasons, as we discussed. So Melissa is actually my client and we've been working together on the intuitive eating journey. And I, I was going to say, I don't know about you, but I do know about you, but I feel like it's been transformative for your, for you and your life. So could you walk us through like 
what your life was like pre-intuitive eating like did you grow up in a very diet culture home or diet culture like environment and like what was it like then versus now okay yes great um well just to start off you've been great you've been having great support for me during this journey um so before so I always grew up like so I am my family come from um, Central America so they're Spanish so in Spanish culture, you know, like diet culture is very huge. Like the first thing they ever like point out to you is like your weight. When they see you, the first thing is like, oh my God, you lost so much weight or oh my God, you gained so much weight. That's always been um, been a topic. And I always been in a heavier size since I was young. So that always been a comment. It's like every family reunion I went to, the first thing was weight. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I dealt with it. You know, I just kept with it. It just, it was so natural. It got to a point, it comes to a point that you're so, used to it like you're just like okay like you already know like I'm gonna go to a family event I mean they're gonna first thing they're gonna print out is my weight but just get through that then you're all set so I kind of get adjust to that system in my mind but then I think it was high school when I started realizing like there's stuff that we ha- I have to change not like have to but I think I wanted to because I wanted to be a little bit more aware of what I was putting into my body so again I come from immigrant parents so they didn't speak speak English very well um, but I was actually born here so I did speak the language well so I will go to doctor's appointment back then so I used to drink soda um, not a lot but I would consider it was a green amount so I started you know my mom was diagnosed with diabetes Uh, my dad was diagnosed with high cholesterol my mom had that blood pressure so a lot of these health issues started coming up in the family and of course you know we all eat the same thing in a household. So if mm-hmm. we don't watch out what we eat, you know, it can fall over. So in high school, I stopped drinking soda and juice. I went just to water and coffee. That was like my first step into like being a little bit more aware. And then in high school, I did a lot of culture, like a lot of diets, very restricted diets, like no junk food, like cookies, potato chips, like sweet bread. I cut that all off, just salads, vegetables, no rice, like literally with just like simple, like it was very strict, just like lettuce, tomato, like. And rice is a big part of your, uh, of your diet, like what you guys eat yes. every single day, basically. Rice and beans is a big thing for our culture. Mm-hmm. So I literally, I cut off the rice. I, I remember cutting it off and I did lose weight, which was my goal, because that was my goal to lose the weight. But I wasn't really. I wasn't healthy because like I remember one time I did a diet I lost 35 pounds mm-hmm. in less than a month like if, if you're if you want to lose weight that's beautiful like that's like oh my god I'm, I'm right on the right track mm-hmm. but sadly after when you're done with the culture um with the diet you gain those pounds again and sometimes you end up gaining like double right so that was very saddening and then it just became a cycle from that it just became a cycle but then it, in uh, undergrad when I went away I actually went to Newport so I went away and that's when I first visited a nutritionist she was just general she was like didn't have a specific you know like interest I just started doing like a lot of food journaling with her and like seeing what my options were and I got into do so many different types of food then I I, can't, I graduated, I came back, I stopped seeing her. And then I came back and I started going, um, I took a two-year break. Um, I just kept, like, then I was working two jobs. I wouldn't eat. But then I would come home, like, at 12 o'clock at night, and I would just eat whatever was on my way. Like, I would just find right. food and eat. And I realized, you know, I started getting more weight. Then the pandemic came, and, of course, no one, none of us can go out. Started eating, and then I started trying new recipes. I would never try 
if it wasn't because of COVID, because if COVID didn't happen, I'd probably be working. I wouldn't be home. But right. because I was home, I was like cooking, doing um, baking, stuff that I wouldn't even normally do. Then I started getting weight again. But it wasn't until September 2021, I went from an annual physical. Um, I had a very low iron level, vitamin D. All these starts come up. I started feeling very weak. I was always tired, like, and I'm always like busy, but I, it's, and which I'm still am, but started seeing a change. Like I would stop doing stuff because I was just so busy. So then I actually, um, so I was at the JCC at the time already. And I actually reached out to my supervisor and like, you know, cause she's also a nutritionist. And like, I told her this, like, you know, like I, I got my blood work, this is going on. So then I started kind of doing dieting again. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, trying to put more vegetables in my diet, more fruit in my diet, but I was just not eating a lot of like other stuff, but just because, you know, I wanted to put my vitamin levels up again, but then she recommended me to go with you. <laughs> and then I actually remember when we first met, you told me that you're more into intuitive eating and like, and which you said it was more your relationship with food. At first, you know, I was like, what is intuitive eating? I never heard right. that it was my first exposure. But then mm-hmm. when I started like reading a little bit more about it and you started explaining to me a lot of the different parts of it, I started realizing it's a relationship with food that actually affects. So it's hard, but I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, it's very hard to take your mind off the diet culture because we're so used to it on social media. Right. Like I'm on Instagram, like that's my main like social media platform. So I used to like just see, you know, like lifting weights, doing this, doing that. Like, you know, let's do cardio three hours a day, every day. Mm-hmm. And that will kind of, you know, be stuck with me. Like, you know, I'm barely doing exercise. So I'm not doing nothing. But when I got into this intuitive eating, I started like learning something I think I would bring up. is like, like the frozen fruits, like mm-hmm. how loses every morning. Like, that's what I do. I do drinks in the morning with a smooth list of frozen fruits, like, I wouldn't see that as, you know, my fruit of the day intake. Like for me, that was like, I had to have fresh fruit. Mm-hmm. So now exploring and having different things that have been able to see my relationship with food and be more aware and have more options and include, like now I, it just, at first when I started working with you, you know, I will like make sure I had three a day or, you know, just make sure the, um, the intake was there. But now it just naturally happens. Like if I go somewhere, like it, I don't have to think about like I gave an example. I went to the mall, and, you know, there was I got a burger, right? But I got a chicken, a grilled chicken, and um, but I didn't like, instead of the um, fried chicken. But before I would think about it, like my reasoning behind will be because I don't want to gain weight. Now it just right. naturally happens. Like you know, you know, I just want a grilled chicken sandwich, and can I get it with some potato fries? Mm-hmm. Before. Like the reason behind it has changed. And I think that's all due to intuitive eating. Right. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, So it sounds like when you were like, your parents were diagnosed with like diabetes and high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and that like kind of scared you. And then you started cutting out things from your diet. Like I remember you said soda and juice, and that was like kind of easy for you. Like you didn't feel like you were restricting, Mm -hmm. but then you, that led to more like restriction but that also led to like, like severe restriction. Like you said, like no rice and only vegetables. And then that led to like overeating or binging. And then that led to like gaining back even like double what you lost. So was yes. that like, was that like a few year cycle or was that like a few, t- did you go on like a diet? Every, every time you'd go off a diet, would you go back on a diet? Like, was it, like, how did that sort of like play out? So let's say I, it will be like every few years, like every mm-hmm. few years, let's say 
every few months. So I was, so give an example, let's say January, I started diet, right? I would do it maybe until like February, March, because the thing with diet, you get bored. Right. The same thing every day. Yeah. So when I would get bored, so normally it would be like a month and a half in or two, two months. And I would see like, and then, you know, how in diet culture say like the cheat day. So mm-hmm. I would like cheat day, but that cheat day will last like months. Right. And then I will feel like so sad when I see right. that my gain started gaining, my weight started mm-hmm. going up again. So then I would just get like in a very like sad, like, you know, low, like sad mood. Mm-hmm. Then I will start off again with another one. I'll start searching other type of diets and I will right. do that. Like right. simple things. So it was a cycle. Um, right. Right. And but I think it was in most of it occurred like in high school, you know, most of it was high school, part of undergrad, but I feel like it was more in high school. Yeah. And what you're describing is like they describe that a lot in um in the intuitive eating book, like hitting diet rock bottom, because like I always see this that like it's when you lose the weight and then you gain it back, you also gain like body hatred and like that like despair, like internalizing something's wrong with you and something's wrong with your body and something's wrong wrong with your willpower. And like we talk about this a lot in the intuitive eating book that it's like it's really smart marketing that they basically convince the consumer like it's your fault, it's not our fault. And then like at, like at any like next turn, it's like, what's my next diet? So like, okay, this diet didn't work, but this one will work. And it's like, it's so alluring. Like you just like diet culture sells you that like if you lose the weight, like you'll you know life will be better. Yeah, that's so true. Like, like I said, like I will like in social media, you you'll see it. Like they sell you so many different diets or even challenges. Like I like I saw this challenge of she was one of my classmates in undergrad. It was the 21 detox challenge. No, 21 water challenge. She only had water throughout the whole day and maybe had like a fruit smoothie throughout the day. And she did that for 21 days. Oh my and that, you know, when you're in the diet culture, you're just like, oh my God, I can do that. Like I can have, be without food for 21 days. But she actually recorded herself throughout the journey. And she posted it after she did the journey, not during mm-hmm. her journey. And then you can see in her the transition, like her, her, she started getting more weaker as she went, like towards the end, she really pushed herself so much. Like, mm-hmm. and she actually towards the end started doing two smoothies a day because she felt too weak. And I was just, you know, but when she was in there, she wouldn't show you that part. She mm. was sure like the smoothie part, the healthy part and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, the media does have a lot to play with. It's curated, like also what you see on Instagram, what you see on social media is like, only the good parts of dieting, only like how it's helping you, not like how you're feeling like sick or overwhelmed or totally like outer body or like ashamed. You can't go to parties, isolated, like all the negative things that come with dieting. So that part's really not shown. Yeah, you actually bring up a good point about parties. Like I recall when I used to go to parties, like um, when I was on a diet, when, when I was on a strict diet, I didn't like to go to parties. Like I really like, like we'll just wish people would invite us to parties and I actually remember one time we were invited to one and I actually remember telling my mom like what am I able to eat at this party like no because in a uh, like traditional Spanish um, parties they're always going to have pasta rice um um meat chicken um chicken nuggets for the kids like they have salads and all kind of stuff and um I remember asking my mom that day like what am I going to eat at this party? Should I just eat before I leave so I don't have to crave anything? And mm-hmm. actually, because I have a sweet tooth. I, I like, you know, like sweet bread and stuff and cakes. You know, every party there's cakes. And I remember 
telling my mom, like, I wish, because um, this is like the Spanish cake. Um, It's called in Spanish, Tres Leches, the three milk. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. So I remember telling her, I wish this cake is three milk. So I don't have to, that way I will not crave it. I won't desire it. And um, so I remember, you know, I went and my mom was like, you can get a little bit of pasta, like a little bit of this. And mm-hmm. I, I, I really, and I have a vivid image of my plate. It was just like half of the plate was salad and they actually had roasted vegetables. I remember they got roasted vegetables. And I remember like putting like a teaspoon of pasta just to have the flavor in my mouth. And that's all I had all night. Right. It's had I had all night. And I, I just, 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 and, and then people at the party was like, oh my God, you're in a diet. Oh, that's good for you. Good job. Right. And I was like, right. they kept feeding into it. And I, when yeah. you hear people like as humans, we like to feel validated. And when they were tell you, like, when they would tell me that I actually feel fine. And then I was mm-hmm. great, which motivated me to continue. But yeah. like you mentioned, you always hit a bottom rock, uh, and that's when you're like, "What am I doing?" It's funny that you say that. So you're really speaking to the to the phenomenon of like people isolating themselves because of diets. So like they might not want to go to a party because they're scared of the food, or they might be like that. Uh, they talk about this in the book. Like you're the the healthy friend, like the one who's. Always, I was definitely like that. Like going to a party and talking about why I'm only eating vegetables and like being the healthy one and everyone asking you, what should I eat? What should I not eat? And it's funny because I was just recently talking to a client and she was saying like, she doesn't like it when she's, she was trying to think like, do I want to eat this? Do I not want to eat this? But she's like, if I don't eat the candies, my siblings will be like, will notice and be like, oh, are you on a diet? And it would draw attention to her and she doesn't want that. So like everyone's different, but like, there's so much like, lack of boundaries around people making comments about other people's plates right mm, and then yeah, it interferes with like wanting to go to parties not wanting to go to parties um also it's like I love when you teach me about your food like the food <laughs> I you know a lot about Jewish food kosher food because mm-hmm. you work in the JCC so uh thank you for educating us on that <laughs> of course um so it sounds like like from our sessions but also just from this conversation like intuitive eating sort of like shifted your whole relationship with food like you are trying to incorporate like gentle nutrition and more fruits and vegetables and noticing your hunger fullness cues but without that whole element of restriction yes I um yes and it has been a big change like now like you you think like I reflect back and I look at my relationship with food and before it was negative it was bad like it wasn't a good relationship with food like I feel like now it is like now um you I so much easier for me to just come home and let's say what am I gonna have today I can think about something real quick and before it was always like what is healthy you know like right. what is, right. what can I do you know like uh you know like just and then giving myself different options like I one day I can do rice one day I can do maybe just spaghetti the other day I can do cauliflower rice the other way I can you know I'm in the this week I'm trying to try quinoa so maybe quinoa will be another option for me like different kind of stuff and I think before I wouldn't really try the stuff because I wanted to it was mostly because I knew this was the healthiest thing to do right. so now I don't restrict myself to so many things like I can still have something but I think it all comes down not to having it every day. You know, like, mm-hmm. things like if, if I like, I lo- love ice cream. So, but I'm not going to have ice cream every single day, you know, like that's once in a while a treat, which is fine. You know, now it's fine to have it. 
But when before I would just not have once in a while, I would just try not to have it. So it would just restrict myself. Right. So right. I think it, is, it has all been with the relationship with food. And I think that has been something to do. Like intuitive eating makes your thinking change and it challenged your thinking because it has mm-hmm. challenged in so many ways. Because now, like near where the JCC, there's a cafe. They sell great pastries. So um Sometimes I go and I was just like, you know, I'm having had something sweet. I should have it. But then like the like the diet culture um person comes and, and you know telling me like, really you want to have a cinnamon? Like you haven't had that for so many days. You're doing so good. Why right. why have it now? But now I think about it. It's like, well, if I want, I'm craving. It, I should have it now. Like it doesn't mean tomorrow I'm gonna crave it. Like if, right. if I take my craving away now, tomorrow I won't have it. So that mm-hmm. will be mine. So you know those are like the way of thinking but it has really intuitively has very opened my mind to so many things and it's about just making sure you get the nutrition you need like there's so many things that we need like we need all the different type of foods to have the nutrition it's just good to know like what is the fiber what's protein i think i have gotten a lot of education through these past months yeah also i was going to say about like the treat like the treat food that you mentioned like with ice cream or with um the cinnabons right that's a good point like you could have you can have them every single day I usually say this to clients like if you want to have that's part of making peace with food right but mm-hmm. usually when you do allow yourself to eat it every day you don't really want to eat it every day like there are just certain foods that are like richer or heavier or hurt your stomach or it's not something that you would necessarily crave every single day if you had full permission to eat it so you just feel kind of like safer around those foods yeah agree and then when you restrict yourself it's like it's in your mind like, I want this, I want this, I want this, because right. you know you're not going to give it to yourself. Like, again, like, I will, like, I, when I do food shopping, I like to always buy, like, a treat or two, and normally it's ice cream, and I always put them in the fridge, but before, when I was restricted, my cheat day, like I said, would turn into, like, months, so I will have, right. like, ice cream almost every day. Now, like, a box of ice cream can last me, like, months <laughs> before right. that would happen, it's because now I'm giving myself, okay, when I want one, I crave one. I can have one you know what I mean like yeah I I think it just makes you the way you think changes but it's it's a good thing though it's a good yeah. thing and you also like had a change of change of relationship with your relationship to exercise like there was definitely that component where you're like if I'm not sweating if it's not every day and now <laughs> you feel like so much more calm about that too yeah yes so because it was also part of my culture so I signed up to the gym it also happened in high school. That's why I feel like my whole diet, like dying thing happened in high school. I remember I signed up to the gym and I had to go every day. Like if I miss a day, I feel guilty. Like I'm, right. you know, and my, in the first time that brought up to my attention was that when Tammy came back and my mom, my mom was like, you didn't sweat today. Like you were in the gym like for an hour and a half. I was like, yeah, you know, I was in the machine. I did this and that. She's like, but normally the other days you're sweating. And I'm just like, what does that mean? And I remember her telling, well, if you don't sweat, you're really not burning any calories. Yeah. And ever since she said that comment, let me tell you, like, I made sure I sweat, like, when I went to the gym. Like, I will make sure that shirt I had on was, like, wet. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like, you know, now with intuitive eating, like, just walking 30 minutes a day or just going around your block, that's exercise. So that has also changed my mind. Like, I can do simple little changes that makes a difference. Like right. me, like I normally, I take the bus to go to work. So maybe getting off halfway through my route and walking the other half, you know, because of the weather. But once it get hot, um, more 
warmer, I could maybe walk a little bit more. But like simple little changes make a big difference. Like you wouldn't think about it. Like I wouldn't think walking into the store can make a difference. Walking here would make a difference. Right. Right. For me, it would be like, well, I didn't sweat that walk. So I mm-hmm. that would be useful. But now, right. you know, I'm able to see like little changes. And I think that has been a big, a big help, you know, because now I do try to incorporate exercise every day. I don't, I don't go to the gym, but I am still doing some form of movement. Yeah. And, and that is definitely something that we worked on. Like people think like they don't sweat, no pain, no gain, you know, like it's not worth it. But then like, I try to show this to clients, like 10 minutes a day or 30 minutes, you know, every other day is like 70 minutes at the end of the week versus zero minutes. Cause you don't think it's worth it. If you're not sweating, like that adds up and all types of movement are good for us. I agree. I agree. That's so true. Like a lot of people would just like sit down and be like, well, not going to the gym and not doing exercise, but you actually are like, I remember New Paltz, like New Paltz, um, I did a lot of walking around and I, but I also was going to the gym, I think it was my junior year, but besides my junior year, I always will walk around campus. Like even to go to the supermarket, I walk and walking, yes, it's a form of movement, but also helps you keep your mind out of stuff like de-stress. Yes. Yeah, and I think that also helped with your relationship with food, like being able to de-stress, keep your mind. Because something I didn't realize that when I was under a lot of stress, I will eat, yeah. and I will eat snacks, a lot of snacks, like potato right. chips, cookies. Like I'm like I remember like when when I used to study or write papers out, and I would go to the library. I always made sure to go to the like um to the store to get um snacks, and so the relationship with snack was like that made me feel good, but did it really like I um once like before I ate my snack while I ate my snack and after I ate my snack I still was stressed nothing changed right so right. you know it was just you know I sometimes we use it as a coping mechanism it's, right. you know, it's not ideally but it's but you know but it's the most easy for a lot of us you know we grab food but okay there we go that's the first thing we see you know right, right. and um so I realized was walking a lot of things could happen you know like you can keep your mind off for stuff like something we um I worked with you when I started with journaling mm-hmm. like I had experience that I was craving chips like I wanted potato chips and but I remember like that's when I started being more aware so I remember being like but why do you really want a potato chip like I, it just randomly happened and then I took out my phone and just started typing like journaling on my phone when I was done like I didn't want the chip anymore so did I really want the potato chip or was it because I was like feeling in emotion so all mm-hmm. the stuff I've been learning throughout my journey you're such a good student that it was articulated <laughs> so well it's true like what I, I would say like walking or any form of movement or exercise is multifactorial in its helpfulness meaning like for some people they love to exercise because it's fun for some people it really is de- like helping with de-stressing and like you said uh, some clients have a hard time with this, but I think that, that it was natural for you to notice like, yeah, I could eat the chips, but I'm actually eating them because I don't want to feel an emotion. And that, that, that like giving yourself permission to just walk and not, you know, sweat also was like helping you in a way that you were able to like think through your day and recognize when like triggers would cause you to eat to help you cope versus like just walking or journaling or just like letting yourself process that like painful emotion. Yes. And it's hard because I'm not gonna lie it's hard right it would be but, easier to just eat the chips for sure right but then you it also makes you get to know yourself and I think that's something um a lot of us in general like speaking we have kind of lost ourselves with everything that have 
gotten, you know, the pandemic, you know, a lot of things. Everybody went through big changes in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of us lost ourselves. And I think like, I, and I personally feel like I did lose myself a lot because it was a big change for me. And I was always busy. I always had a place to be. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I have to be home 24 seven. Like for me, it was a big change. Yeah. But I also feel like intuitive eating helps you with that to recognize your own mistakes. And I think we're all going to make mistakes. None of us are perfect, but the important right. thing is to learn from them. And I think that's what intuitive eating has showed me now. Like, like I'm, I'm not saying my goal is not to lose weight. It still is to lose weight. But I feel like now it's happening naturally. Like I'm not putting myself on a scale every week to see like, oh, I lost only one pound or almost half a pound. Like now yeah. it just happened natural naturally. And I just realized it like on my clothing, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's you know, it's like a lifestyle. Like that's what I, I, I also look at it. It's like a lifestyle change, but it's for good, you know, like you you learn like what what um how to eat and how to like not feel guilty of what you eat and enjoy your food. I know that's something we worked on too, like being mindful of your, if this is your, the, like, what's your emotion towards the food that you really like the food, like, and you also mentioned the hunger scale. I think that was a big thing for me because mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this to you before in one of our sessions that for me, like I had to have dinner before six. If I had dinner after six, I was like, I'm just going to gain so much weight after. And right, that was I, a food rule. I that challenged it. I was eating like I was eating at five not because I was hungry it was because I had that in my mind like right. I had to eat and it it was hard to get out of the habit it was very hard for me and, and but I'm still working on it I'm like I'm not completely good with it now but I, I'm working on it but like like last week I you know I have my smoothie in the morning and then I like like an hour later maybe 30 minutes I have like a light breakfast that lasts me until like 11 or 12 I have like a quick snack which is normally a yogurt and then I have like my my lunch around your lunch special yeah like around two (laughs) right and then um I end up having dinner maybe until 6 37 but that's when I'm hungry and then that last minute I go to bed like I feel fine you know Mm -hmm. before like if I eat before six I will be hungry like I eat or like nine you know and I wouldn't eat anything because it was just so like I can't eat I have to stop eating you know Mm -hmm. so I my and then now I do ask myself, am I really hungry? Do I really want? Because sometimes when I have like a big lunch, I'm not really that hungry for dinner, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I will have like a quick little like something and I'll be fine, you know. So the, all those little things were learned. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think that you always like articulate exactly mm-hmm. what I what I would have said, anyways. But I think that actually it's important for the listeners to know this because I, I I do get questioned on this a lot, like in terms of like when clients call me, um, potential clients or clients that I'm working with. a lot of them do have the goal of weight loss and it's not really in line with intuitive eating intuitive eating and health at every day they're not anti-weight loss though so like Mm -hmm. I always say like that might not be my goal for you like my goal for you is to help you feel confident and calm and you know like good about food like food Mm -hmm. should not be a source of stress for you food should be like happiness and joy and nourishment and so like every person will have different goals that doesn't mean that like you know, like I don't mm-hmm. demon, I, I, I don't believe in like demonizing anyone for their goals. I just think mm-hmm. that my goal is always to like guide and help, help client and like whatever goals like work for you, work for you, you know? That's true. And, uh, and I remember the first session I met with you, you always, you told me that you asked me the question, like, what, what was I looking for? And I did tell you, like, I was told you I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to, um, you know, eat more healthier. And I remember you told me like, um, about intuitive eating and how 
that's not the focus of it, but you do focus the, the relationship of food. And I'm happy I took the risk because at mm-hmm. first, you know, I was like, you know what? Let me just give it a try. Right. And it has been good. Like I'm telling you, like the, I think now when I look back, I really do think it's all about our relationship with food. Like it's just, you know, yeah. you're yeah. there to realize stuff that you wouldn't realize on your own. Like, I feel like I wouldn't realize so many things. Like there's stuff that you point out and I'm like, wow, I never think about that. And like, right. when you think about it, like I shared with you about with my dad and like how our, like our bond when I was young, that he would always go to the store and buy mm-hmm. me juice and chips. Like mm-hmm. that was our form, like food was part of our, our relationship, you know? Totally. And like, and which, you know, I, I'm sure he never did it to harm me, but it was just a tradition that me and him had, father and daughter. Like right. every day he'll get me two bags of chips and two juice, one for the late night snack and one for the school the next day. So right. that was our little bonding, you know? But, yeah, of course, um, you know, it's beautiful. Food is part of, you know, our, our life. I just think it's the way that we work with it now, you know? And I think, um, I do think my, my relationship with food was, you know, negative. I think, and I'm not saying now it's perfect positive, but I think it's better, you know? I'm, I'm not afraid to have something how we used to now. Right. I would say that, like, I'll give credit where credit is due, just as, like, you're just a very easygoing person. And, like, you, I think that you, like, you, you're open-minded. So, like, even though maybe that wasn't what you were hoping to hear from our first session, like, you were like, okay, cool. Like, well, well, the dieting route wasn't working so well anyways, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. that that kind of does speak to your, if we could transition into, like, the whole social Mm -hmm. work, your whole job as a social worker, I think that that, that we talk a lot about you know, mm-hmm. therapeutic modalities, it just comes up because we both like share that interest. Um, but could you, could you tell us like, I know you've told me in session, but like, I would love for the listeners to hear. And also like, I'd love to hear the whole story. Um, what, what made you interested in being a social worker? Um, my, so first I knew I wanted to do something with people, something involving helping people. And so I was a tutor uh, when I was in high school and I used to tutor this boy and he um he was in the second grade at the time and I used to help it with homework every day and then there was a change in him because a 360 change super 360 and he started like um acting up but not in a bad way like he would like pee himself he would like when you will tell him something he would just like he will listen but he wouldn't like because like, wouldn't, he wouldn't have like an emotional response mm-hmm. so for me it was like, okay something's going on but then the mother saw it as like him acting up and I was like, right not up, in my mind so one day we, we finished homework early and I was like and he liked to draw so I put a piece of paper down and crayons I was like okay draw whatever you want to draw and he picked up the black crayon that was for me was like why are you picking up a black crayon like kids normally pick like blue red pink mm-hmm. red color and he picked the black one he drew like a house and two and like a kid separate like by himself and then all like three like um like three boys in the other side that's like ice like a person isolated and like a group of friends I'm like okay that's not okay so then I asked him what did the picture mean and then he wouldn't answer he would just look down at me mm-hmm. and then I was like you know like I'm here for you like I told him you know like I want to help you I know something is going on but I don't know what it is but if but I want to know but for me to know I need you to tell me so then he started crying and then he told me he was getting bullied and stuff mm-hmm. so I was so I spoke with his mom and I was like listen he's not the problem like you need to go to the school so you know how to talk with her she went to the school now he's a he's in high school he's in an honor student with wow. a higher GPA like you know and his mom said it's 
stink to me, which I'm like, you know, I was like, okay, good. But I also feel like um, we need to just listen to people, like pay attention to them. Like, I know myself, like I, you know, I'm very, like, I feel like I'm very self-aware and like, I know sometimes we want support and we don't have it, especially like in our culture, like in my culture, like the, um, I come from immigrant parents, as, as I mentioned earlier, everything is new for them. Like, so for me, everything was new. So I remember right. I was something that I had to do stuff for myself that normally someone else who had parents that, you know, do speak language well, wouldn't have to go through because their parents will help them. I didn't have that. Right. But again, I think my personality is different. Like I was very mature. Like I would do it. I saw other classmates that some of them dropped out. Mm-hmm. I'm being there, not being seen. Mm-hmm. So then I, you know, I was like, you know, I, I want to be a teacher. <laughs> like I think that's something a lot of us go through. But then I was like, no, I don't want to be a teacher. And then I was like, you know what? I want to do something counseling. So that's when I sat down with counseling. Then I was just like, you know what? I want to do mental health. Let's go into mental health counseling. Um, so that was my plan to do my master's in. <laughs> but then when I kept talking to people and expressing like what I really wanted, it was like to help people, help my community, show them the resources that's available. They all kept telling me, you're, you're talking about social work. You're talking about social work. And they were like, and you can still do counseling with that social work. Cause I knew I wanted to do counseling, mm-hmm. but then something along the way, I was like, you know what, let me be a psychiatrist, psychiatrist. But then I was like, <laughs> and then I did my research and stuff. And like psychiatrist, most of the part we they just prescribe and right. I don't want to prescribe like in some cases you know medicine is needed but mm-hmm. I wanted to do counseling I wanted to talk I wanted to help them I wanted to be there for them so then that's when I was like so I took my two-year break which at the time I wasn't happy I did but now I am because I was able to figure out what I really wanted to do I fell into social work and I'm in love with the career like I love what I do with social work because you know I was actually talking with my other um, co-worker today like social work is a rewarding feel like if you explained, like she was telling me how she told her partner that she had fun and he looked at her like fun. And she was like, you don't understand. And then um, I was telling her, I feel the same way, but it's not fun. It's just rewarding, rewarding. you know? It's rewarding that you're going to go, through, like, you know, it could be stressful to somebody. Today, it was, it was one of those days. But at the end, I was able to help so many people. So I do work at the JCC, which is in Cedarhurst, which is the Jewish Community Center. I... I primarily work with um, the Spanish community, but I do work with the Jewish community and non-Jewish community. Mm-hmm. I work with a different group of people and I have learned so much from them. I feel like they learn from me as I learn from them. Like, I like learning. I like to know about people's culture because I feel like that describes who you are and that makes you, as a social worker, helps you understand the person. Now. And that's, that's part of my job, to understand you, but I need to know you. So mm-hmm. I'm at the pantry. So... This so how did you, how did you end up at this job? I, uh, through, through my school, they placed me at the food pantry. They needed interns. And I, you know, at the time, to be honest, like I didn't really have choices because this was COVID. We were in COVID. Right. A lot of places were not taking it. And then my school liaison was like, hey, there's a position at the JCC. I'm like, what is the JCC? They were like, mm-hmm. right. You probably never heard uh, of yeah. it. I was like, and they were like the Jewish community center. I was like, you know what? Let's go. I was like, fine, I'll go. I interviewed, they offered me the position right on the spot. And I was like, okay, let's go. And they told me, think about it. I'm like, no, I want it. And they were, were like, you, okay. So you weren't hesitant at first? It seemed no, like a good I wasn't. I was like, you know what? It wasn't what I wanted because I knew I wanted to be in a school setting in a hospital. But I was like, you know what? Like, just go with it. Go. Right. Let's see what happens. And look, like now I'm employed there. I'm also an intern. I wouldn't expect that. But then I just so many. So then I joined and then I helped with the intake. So when you, when you, sorry, when you first started, were you an employee or just an intern? 
That's an intern. That's an intern. Okay. Yeah. And they got, loved you. They loved you. I got employed in May, uh, February of 2021. That's when I wow. got employed. So they offered so, you to honest yeah. employee. Yep, they offered me, and then they offered me a paid. So technically, I'm like a paid internship right now. Like some hours I get paid, and some hours are my my internship hours. So then I started working with the community, and I just learned so much. Like you know, you learn so many things. Like I I have been exposed to the Jewish community before, though. Like my mom, mm-hmm. I mentioned to you, my mom has worked with a religious family for over thirty years. Wow. So I knew a lot. I know a lot about it. You know, I know that the kosher, how they, you know, um, meat is separate from dairy. So I know a lot of this stuff. So when I spoke with some of these clients, and um, like sometimes by my voice, you can tell, you know, um, I'm Spanish. So some of them will be surprised because they will, um, you know, I always will let them teach me though. Even if I know it, I would just let them speak. And then I, I would tell them true, right? And then I would like bring something up that they didn't expect me to know. And they'd be like, you know that? I'm like, yeah, you know. Right, I, right. There's a surprise and that helped me connect with people. Mm-hmm. So that's where I see the food part came in because I knew about the kosher food and how they couldn't mix this with this. So when I would connect that, I was able to connect with my clients, the ones um, that, that, that were Jewish. I was able to connect with them through food mm-hmm. because I was able right. to understand what they were going through because sometimes, you know, we don't feel understood. But when you hear someone that at least knows something, you're like, oh, my God, she understands me or he understands me. So I was able to do that, you know. So then, um, so as part of the food pantry, we take orders, right? We do, we read off the list. And what, do you, what do you do in the JCC? Because I don't know, really. Um, I, so I do intakes. So, you know, they call in at the situation, um, explain the situation, like what's going on, like what's bringing you in. Um, of course, we do work with food insecurity, but we also have other programs. So mm-hmm. we want to help them in any way, form we can. So I do an intake just to get a thing of what's going on. Then I do the food orders. I take their food orders each month and I read off a list. Well, this, yes or no, or yes or no. A lot of our clients. And, the, and that's free from the, G- the GCC, provides that for free. Well, wow. yeah. And then the some of our clients are very restricted, they have a restricted, restricted diet, like low sodium, like low sugar. So this is where like the food part comes in. And then I, this is where, you know, tell them, well, we have like, let's say, a low sodium so i'll tell them you know i'll make sure we have some we'll put in low sodium items in your food um or low sugar you know sugar free if it has some sugar free items some of our clients are gluten free we do get some gluten free donations so we put yeah. them as for a gluten free client so we try to help everyone as we can so when i started to connect with the intuitive eating um sometimes before i started intuitive eating i would find myself stuck when people ask me questionable, like, you know, I'm trying to lose weight, but I don't want to eat this. Can you just give me this? Again, I would just be like, okay, if that's what the client wants, fine. But now that I've, you know, am with intuitive eating, I feel like I'm a little bit more helpful with my clients. Like when they ask me something, you know, I'm just trying to lose weight, but you know, I really like grains, but you know, I don't want to try something new or something. I tell them, you know, actually I have tried this and it has been something good to me. I'm like, give it a try this month. I tell them, you know what, if you don't like it, then next month, get your regular thing again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know what, thank you. That's a good idea. And they do that. So mm-hmm. people have done that with the, with barley, quinoa, and brown rice. But the most common is the brown rice. You know, I'm searching from white to brown. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I was like, like, this actually one client I told her last week. I was like, why don't, I'm like, why don't you start with the switch to brown rice I was like let's see how it tastes I was like and then I asked her what do you typically put on your rice and she told me 
I put veggies and I put um she likes sometimes she pours corn. I'm like, fine, I'm like, do that to the brown rice. Let's see mm-hmm. how it goes. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, and I told her if, if you don't like it, then what next month? Let's get white rice again. Mm-hmm. Or we can try, you know. So, but before I wouldn't say that to them, you know, before it was like, okay, they didn't want rice, so let's go to the next one. Like, mm-hmm. you no, know, they you know, now it's more like we all have to eat. <laughs> we all should right. be restricting ourselves. Let's give ourselves options. Mm-hmm. So that has been one to um with the yogurts, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's, some of the yogurts are so high in, so high in, um, so high in sugar. We have vanilla yogurt and we have fruits. So I tell them, well, why don't you just get vanilla yogurt? Let's get some fresh fruit, put the fresh fruit on your yogurt. I'm like, that can be a quick snack and I snack to enjoy. Mm-hmm. So like, a lot of these theme, uh, things seems like, like, you know, common sense, but it's not because I went through it myself. Like, you know, like I knew I could put fruit in yogurt, but I wouldn't take the initiative to do it unless maybe someone were like, suggested it. Like, it. Suggested it. And then you, like, you suggested so many things to me that I have tried. And mm-hmm. yeah, they're, you know, they're there, but unless the one that like, tells you and tell you how the experience has been, you're willing to take the experience. And that's what I realized. So I've been able to connect intuitive eating with the work that I do at the JCC. Yeah, I love that. I, I know that I had, um, this sounds like, similar to what I was doing when I was an intern at God's Love We Deliver. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but that's not a food pantry. That's prepared food for people who have um, like certain illnesses that they can't cook or, you know, travel. And we would deliver like uh, some of them were like renal diets and some of them were low low sodium, low sugar. And, you know, talking to the to the um, clients on the phone. So there is that big overlap with the dietitian and the social worker because some things, you know, we suggest and sometimes it's the social worker that suggests it. But I think it's amazing that there are, you know, therapists who are trained in the intuitive eating way or health at every side of the line. And there, there definitely is like, it's, you know, what the way you're talking about is such so much more, like I always talk about this, like suggestive and supportive and like what's that self-compassion instead of like, you shouldn't be eating that, you know, like the, no one really responds well to that anyways. I'm not really sure why that's how I was trained. Like, I remember when I was first working as a dietitian, I felt so much like the food police, like telling people what they should and shouldn't eat. And I hated it, but it was like so much part of my role. And that's why I love like just incorporating intuitive eating into so many different, you know, areas, like instead of it being like strict and and like like prescriptive it's much more suggestive yeah it it is and like you like I get like you don't realize it when you're doing it like I remember like when I first did it the first time I was like wow I suggested someone something new today you know and it's been positive and then they call the next month they're like you know actually last time you made me try this and actually I like it you know let's go with this one but this time what do you recommend you know so it's just kind of you build relationships with your clients and yeah. I have always been my goal that I want to build relationships and when it comes to like the Latino community uh, we do use a lot of sodium and mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this to you like we put like consomme on almost everything mm-hmm. so something I have to- we do put consomme on our rice so something I've been telling clients is like maybe don't put salt on your rice the the consomme already has it so maybe right. that's going to be the flavor right. and then they wouldn't realize that because they're so used to our culture, like put some salt, put some consomme in your right. You know, like this is actually one client last month that called me and told me, you know, I'm so happy I follow your, I follow your, your suggestion. You literally, um, I literally, she's like, I didn't post salt. It's like, it's like, it tasted so much better. And that's another thing with intuitive eating, your taste buds change it. 
I think I mentioned to you how I used to get always like coffee with with flavored like mm-hmm. the syrup, and I would and it and I would always add sugar on top of that. Mm-hmm. Now since I started this journey and I you know I started realizing how sugar some sugar is like it was, and I remember you told me it always brings sugar. It just that my right. taste buds were right. used, to it. used to it. Right now I'm able to like this heck stuff. Like now I just. I don't feel like I need sugar when it's it has to syrup, depending like what kind of coffee, you know? Right, so right. All those, those little things, I like to teach it to, like, not, like I'm not an expert in intuitive eating yet, but I like to learn, to teach what I learn or share what I learn with other people because I feel like sometimes they're not exposing until they get like an opening or an exposure to it, they, it calls their attention and they start wanting to learn about it. Yeah, I do. I talk about that a lot with like, I'm not trying to like demonize sugar, but mm-hmm. I remember learning about this in school that like the way that when sugar was first um, on the market, it was like the way that we would use like a spice. Like we would just like flavor things with sugar. Now we like put two cups of sugar and things. I'm not demonizing it. It's just like Mm -hmm. people you get, you, you build up um, this tolerance for very, very, very sweet. And then things aren't sweet enough. And actually I remember learning this, that like um, most people, like they have a hard time eating like an apple because it's just like not as sweet as a cookie. And if you stop, I, I'm not I'm not recommending stopping mm-hmm. eating cookies. It's just, you will notice that an apple will taste a lot sweeter if you're not always eating things that are super sugary. And, it, and it's a normal, like human beings are more drawn to things naturally that are sweet. And then there are other flavor profiles that you acquire, like let's say sour or let's say bitter, like coffee. Like you don't like, you don't, like coffee the first time you drink it but you end up acquiring that taste and like adapting your taste that's how like kids also learn how to like explore like you know not just sweet also sour and umami and you know so it's it's interesting like that's like you're suggesting it to your clients because unless people try it they really don't know not that you again with kids also it's not that you should force them not that you should make them but just more suggestive and more like of that like um like non-judgmental atmosphere helps you like really try new things yeah like and they're very open to it like again like I like now I look back at my sessions like like they're calling a food pantry so food always comes up in our conversation like you know like you know like and a lot of the common trends have been COVID like you know when I'm COVID I just I was just eating this eating so I mean you know, like now they're trying to lose the COVID weight that's mm-hmm. how people call it the COVID weight right and I'm like okay and then they're just and I you know I just you know I I, I let them express you know a social worker talk I'm here to listen but right. then you know sometimes we have to challenge you know because I right. was challenged when I first started it was a lot of my thinking sometimes right. I, I tell them like do you think that's the best thing like what are you going to substitute that for and then they was like well I'm just not going to have it I'm like but you think that's the best thing to do right and then they start thinking they're like they don't know what to answer so then right. where I come in I'm like well maybe I'm like what what kind of rice do you like and it'll be like white I'm like have you ever done maybe switching to brown or trying you know barley that's a type of grain right. or quinoa that's also type of grain and then they're like really I was like you know some of them are not informed about it so right you kind of give them a little like teaching moment they're like oh my god thank you you know and right right you. right you're right I I've had that said to me many times when in my nursing home career when I was making flyers for for residents like my I remember my boss being like no no they don't know anything about nutrition like you want to and I'm like no this is like basic I want to teach them more she's like no you have to teach people exactly suggesting things that like maybe you know because you work in a food pantry or because you're a social Mm -hmm. worker but 
those those things are you want to break it down for people so that it is much more bite-sized and easier for them to implement and so they're like just like one day we didn't know that and now we do you know yeah and like especially the food pantry at the jcc their goal is to be like a healthy pantry like you're going to pantry but still you can still have some of the uh, good resources like the food just know how to um pair it with stuff you know like i'm a, a big one that we tell our clients um because we um each month they get a um they get some eggs we can make an omelet a veggie omelet mm-hmm. a mushroom and spinach like what kind of vegetables you like and then they tell you right put that in your omelet you have a yeah, great and, and i remember you telling me the dietitian that that recommended me actually like she would give out recipes right like she would, yeah, she would give out recipes to clients happy yeah. we'll have them around the, the pantry well um prior to covid they put it around the pantry for clients when they came in which we're hoping to open up back soon so that's something we want to add again have those recipes up because you know sometimes we just need more suggestions more ideas and and they help clients and i think um this journey have helped me to see that too yeah so i'm gonna let you go but i just wanted to know like i know you shared some really ins- inspirational stories that have happened to you in your work i don't know what you're allowed to share and what you're not allowed to share but mm-hmm. it's something coming to mind that like i know you, you always share so many like inspiring things something coming to mind that like makes your work like especially meaningful Mm, something in my work that's meaningful yeah like like I don't know what you're like allowed to share but like stories of like when certain clients were able to get like more money around the holidays and how like excited they were like things like that so we have a program called neighbors in need and that's during like um like Hanukkah and we nominate social workers all the social workers in the JCC we nominate clients and um, it always I makes me cry. <laughs> I did this for the first time last year as an intern. And I'm never going to forget, I called this client and I was just like, hi, I just want to inform you that we nominate, we nominated you for this fund and we got approved. So um, you're going to be getting, I think she was getting like $500. Mm-hmm. She, start, she started crying on the phone and screaming and telling mm-hmm. me how how that was a gift that came to her like everything she told me her whole story like I wouldn't believe it like she was like you're helping me so much she's been so happy thank you um I had a family that she was worried that she was not going to be able to buy gifts for her her kids for Hanukkah and the gift was like the money wow she she literally told me like you guys right now are saving Hanukkah for my family and these are like I like I mentioned before Social work could be, I'm not going to say it's an easy career because it's not, but it's a rewarding career. And I think that's what's worth it for us at the end of the day. Like everything we do for these clients, like we're going to, it's going to be, it's not going to be easy for us to get them what they need. But when we get it for them, it's such a rewarding experience to help them in so many ways without you burst out realizing it. And then I think that's the main goal for us to help them make the help they get, like change Hanukkah, like. Amazing. you know Hanukkah is a big holiday like why will you know yeah something simple it's just such great like I had someone the money that she was used she was able to send it to um she was able to celebrate the holidays and have food on her table right and if it wasn't because of that that wouldn't have been possible so that's what I love about social work and yeah. we're excited to be in this field yeah that's an amazing story and also like I don't know if it's okay to say this but I also know that like because like you're you are Spanish and you're working in a Jewish community center and some of your clients are Jewish and some of them are non-Jewish or some of them are Spanish like you do see like the gamut of like how you know certain people are stereotyped and it's 
not always like that. And it's that you've, yes. you've shown me a perspective that I don't always get to see. So I appreciate your perspective. And if maybe we can make a pitch for the JCC, if anybody's in need, they could reach out to you or how would they, how yes. would they reach out? Yes. Um, so they can reach out to us. Um, they can reach out at the food pantry. Um, the phone number is 516-234-6020. You can speak. Um, you can always just press 105, which that's my extension. Or you can just ask for Melissa or you can ask for a social worker and we'll be able to help anyway. Um, or like I said, we're here. Everything you speak with us is confidential but we don't let anyone know um because i know that's a big concern for many of our clients for sure whatever whatever you speak with a social worker it stays between you and the social worker and we're here to help anyway and if we don't have the resources we find the resources for you and we're guiding this girl will find you the resources (laughs) (laughs) okay thank you so much melissa i'm gonna put all that in the show notes so that people really can reach out and i'll put i'll put on instagram i'll put it on the podcast i'll put on youtube and thank you so much for coming on i honestly learned so much i love working with you i love how vulnerable you are open to sharing really showing people how this journey is transformative in your personal life and your professional life and this has been amazing thank you thank you gila thank you so much okay have a great night you too okay bye Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.